Welcome to Just Another Podcast. Hey! I've been around the block a couple times before. I've seen everything, I've seen a little more. I've done everything anyone could ever do. I've had my share of towns, and I've had my ups too. I've seen all the ways to see. I've been all the ways to be. Hello and welcome to your season wrap-up edition 23 of Just Another Podcast. I'm Matt Lee, joined by your playoffs Browns fan, Steve Krivos. Ah, that's nice to say. Sponsored by Just Another Podcast Show Apparel. We already have our first paid customer and more available to ship. Well, we can get someone to make them if you do. So get your Just Another Podcast apparel today. Steve, we just finished the fantasy season last week, and now we have the Browns playoff game tomorrow night and a Buckeyes National Championship on Monday. Are you ready for some football? Oh, Matt, this is the biggest football weekend of my life. I am so ready and so excited for this season wrap-up. You know, we spent a lot of time on this podcast, a lot of time in fantasy football this year during COVID-19. So Obviously, during the season wrap-up episode, we will be talking about the exciting championship matchup, you versus me, correct? Of course. Could be more excited. Oh, something tells me that's not how it's going to work out here. but <laughs> Not so much. Oh, well. That's all right. We had some great seasons. We had some fun. Let's jump into our GBU, Steve. All right. Sounds good. Well, I will start off with my good. And here's, here's an interesting thing. When you came up with the idea of GBU, good, bad, the ugly, I thought, oh, good. I'm glad there's two spots for bad and ugly and only one spot for good. It'll allow me a chance to vent about the Browns more often. But turns out that was wrong. And I'm going to put that as a good. It's a great because I got to talk about the Browns in this good spot far more often then even I would have hoped 11 and five, it was a great year. So happy. So glad that I was wrong on the Kevin Stefanski hire. He has been great. And, you know, there's a lot of great we could talk about. Certainly we've talked about a lot of stats throughout this season, but here's one thing that I'm going to talk about. Um, Coming into this playoff game, we obviously know the challenge. Stefanski is out with COVID. Here's one of the most things that I'm kind of most proud of about this moment is in years past, if this would have happened, we, it would have been a constant struggle. We would have had the offensive coordinator, the defensive coordinator, and probably a few more coaches kind of battling internally against each other to see who gets that lead spot to coach. We we've seen it happen so many times on the Browns where there's internal struggles, internal strifes this time bat of an eye, they they all knew exactly what the plan was and they just moved on with the plan. Now, obviously, part of that is COVID. You had to kind of be planning for that, but it just shows me how organized, how calm and how prepared Kevin Stefanski is. And I absolutely love it and think he has such a bright future ahead for us. Oh, yeah, definitely. You know, you're really excited about it, but shouldn't we have had Kelly Brownson as the uh, head coach, a female head coach? What, why didn't we do that, Steve? Ah, she, Hey, a year or two down the road, I think she may have got that chance. 
absolutely. And, you know, it's great to see her and, uh, it, it's, it's a good sign, but she, she, the way it's going for us, Matt, she may have to coach about four positions. <laughs> That's very true. So she'll definitely get some play, some, some action to help out the team this weekend. All right. So my good, well, this year wasn't the best year for fantasy football. You and me alike, Steve, in this league, especially, but my fraternity league ended up working out to be pretty awesome. I was in eighth place at six and six going into week 12. I needed to win and hope a few teams lost the six teams make the playoffs and five teams were tied at six and six, and I had the lowest total points. I won, two other teams lost, then proceeded to beat the third, then the second, then the regular season champs to win my championship. Best part in the whole is in the whole league was rooting for me since the other team made 95 moves this year. Makes Wayne look like an amateur. So needless to say, it was an exciting championship after a tough fantasy year. Yeah, see, that's the stories I like to hear about fantasy because – and we'll we'll talk about ours in a little bit as well. But those are stories I like to hear because when you're kind of when you're not feeling it midway through the season, don't give up. Uh, stay focused, and that championship could still be yours. Definitely, and we'll talk about this in a little bit. But my draft looked pretty suspect for a lot of the season. But a lot of guys I drafted came through in the end. Ceh was my first pick, helped me until the last week when he was out. Lamar Jackson was my second pick, great in the playoffs. Jonathan Taylor, we all know, broke out. He was my third pick. I had uh, Ridley as my fifth pick. He crushed it as wide receiver. My other two wide receivers, A.J. Brown and Deontay Johnson. So my draft is what helped me, stuck with them even through hard times, and ended up all coming through in the end. Yep, absolutely. All right, well, I will move on to my bad. So talk about being patient. Actually, it's a good lead-in for me. So being patient with the draft. One of the guys that I was pretty high on coming into this year was David Montgomery. And David Montgomery got himself off to a bit of a struggle this season. Um, he, he, he started off just kind of looking very mediocre, much of like what he was like last year. We know he was getting a lot of opportunity, and I thought that team was kind of on the up and up in the Bears. And to see him getting the opportunities that he was and just not quite producing early on after after last year, even though I spent the entire offseason feeling pretty good about him, I gave up on him. Uh, and that happened for me in a couple of leagues. And I, I just felt like at, once I checked out of David or David Montgomery, I, I was completely checked out. And really, as it turned out, that became you know, a very bad thing for me. David Montgomery, very impressively in, in our PPR league, finished as, do you know where, Matt? He had to be up there in the top 10, maybe seven? Four. Wow. He finished as RB4. He absolutely killed it, especially down the stretch. And, uh, you know, we'll talk about him in a little bit on how he helped uh, some of the teams that we're unlike you and I in this league. So I guess that it shows me sometimes you have to show a little bit of patience, especially on running backs. I feel it's one area where you have to show some patience because sometimes teams start to use them more as the year goes along and, and they start to, to kind of hit their groove as the year goes along. So yeah, David Montgomery uh, show, I'll, I'll call it a bad on my point of view because of my lack of patience on him. All right, Steve, I got a quick question for you. You say you're a big David Montgomery fan. I assume that's going to roll into next year, right? So, Oof. all right, I got a question regardless. Tariq Cohn, 
when he got hurt is when Dave Montgomery started his ascent, really took off towards the end of the season in the playoffs. But Tariq Cohn is a big reason he started doing so well, got a lot of receptions. Now, I don't think that he is uh, has a contract to come back next year, but let's say they do bring him back. Do you think he's going to play as well as he did, or do you think Tariq Cohn's going to take a lot of those receptions, third down plays, so that Dave Montgomery isn't a three-down back anymore? Well, that's a great question. How old is Tariq Cohen? I, I feel like he's getting a little bit up there in age, and certainly he was not nearly as explosive as he was. So to me, it would be he's foolish. He's 25. Okay, 25. Well, you know, in, in either way, he was not nearly as he, he was not nearly as explosive as the tree cone we've seen in some years past. So to me, it, David Montgomery has certainly proved himself as a three down back. If you don't give him if you don't kind of hand over those reins and give him the ability to, to be that third down back, I'm not saying you don't have three Cohen on the team. He certainly is valuable, but uh, to me, David Montgomery has shown he's a three down back and you have to give it to him. All right. I like it. I definitely agree. So jumping over to my bad, the Miami dolphins. I have a good friend who's a huge dolphins fan along with his son. We were both really excited that the Browns and dolphins were having great seasons and looked to be destined to make the playoffs. While the Browns won last Sunday, the Dolphins got crushed by the Bills and aren't in the playoffs, while the Bears, Washington football team, made the playoffs with eight and seven wins respectively. Now the Dolphins had 10 wins. Also, the question now becomes, do they bring Fitzmagic back for next year? And does Tua have what it takes to be a star? I think those are two big questions down in Miami, especially with Tua, that are to be determined down there. Yeah, and I think you have to decide now what your direction is on Tua. If you're in on him long term, I I don't think you can bring Fitzpatrick back because it puts too much pressure to bring him on the game if Tua starts to struggle. But that being said, the fact that we're even asking that question to me Set, it brings a whole lot of questions on whether we should be in or, and whether they should be in on Tua. I, I, I would I would be skeptical. Their defense played amazing. They're in a very strong position. I, I know they have a ton of draft picks. I'm not sure how many, but they have a ton of draft picks. To me, they're a team that I, I'm not sure that I'd be fully sold on Tua if it's, if it's me, but we'll see. Yeah, definitely. I think those are good points and something to watch for and risky decisions, big decisions for the coaches and the team down there, but we'll see how it goes. So as we jump in our ugly here, Steve, I think I'm going to go first because we got a fun little segment with yours that we're going to talk about. So I'm going to jump into mine here. While you talked about the excitement of the Browns and how great of a season, how awesome everything is, and I love your excitement and enthusiasm towards COVID and the coaching system knowing what they're doing, that's my ugly. COVID and the Browns. The Browns are going to a playoff game tomorrow night and will be missing or uh, yeah, tomorrow night and will be missing multiple coaches, including our head coach, Kevin Stefanski, AKA as we like to call him, George. We're also missing pro bowler, Joel Bitonio. In a year of excitement, the Browns finally making the playoffs. These COVID cases are really frustrating before the game even starts. Yeah, it's really frustrating. And and part of me originally was thinking, hey, when I first heard about these, I thought, hey, you know, they postpone games early in the year all the time. Why can't we po- push this game back a little bit? See if we can get some of these guys back. But, you know, the more I thought about it, we're they're, they're smelling the Super Bowl. And unless this kind of became a league wide thing, I don't see them pushing it back. So, hey, despite the fact that it's, you know, 
hurting us at the moment. I, I do agree with the call to kind of push forward. Yeah, you don't love it, but I agree as well. So uh, what's your ugly, Steve? What are we talking about here? Going back in time? All right. Yeah, so Matt, at the beginning of the year, before we started, we did kind of a sleepers bus segment. And uh, what we did is we picked guys that were kind of being projected in the top 12, and we were looking to to see, uh, or I'm sorry, projected outside the top 12 and thought who could be a sleeper to be finish inside the top 12. And then we kind of did the opposite with bus, and we decided of guys that were being picked in the top 12, who was finishing outside the top 24 complete bust. And what I will say is the complete bust here was us. <laughs> we, we, we were pretty bad here. So our sleeper quarterbacks, just to run through it, you had Danny Dimes, I had Baker. No good there. Mm-mm. You had Raheem Mostert. If, if he wouldn't have been injury plague, maybe a good pick. I had right. Dobbins. Didn't really come on till late in the year. So not great there either. And I'll, I'll count that as especially not great given the amount of rookies that did overperform. So, right. so not great. I didn't pick the right rookie. Here was an intriguing one. You were on target with this, Matt. Will Fuller, you nailed it until we found out that he was cheating. Uh, that was frustrating. This is probably the worst pick of everybody. I had AJ Green, and we actually retired AJ Green <laughs> this year. So, you know, that was probably our worst pick. Uh, at tight end, you had Dallas Goddard. I had OJ Howard. Still a little bit, I'm still a little bit disappointed because the way that offense performed in Tampa Bay, I think OJ Howard really could have been something special. Um, but hey, the, you know, injuries happen. That happens. Uh, Matt, do you recall who your, so as we move on to busts, do you remember who your bust quarterback was? Um, it's this guy, he's past his prime. He's not that good anymore. I think he ended up only as the top quarterback in all of fantasy, Aaron, Aaron Rodgers. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He's likely <laughs> going to win the MVP, Aaron Rodgers. I mean, this just shows you how ugly these picks were for us. <laughs> Probably one of our better picks, though, for me is I had Carson Wentz. I don't think he finished outside the top 24, although for quarterback, that's a little harder to do. But Carson Wentz potentially out as a quarterback in the NFL. So that may have been one of our best picks. Uh, Then as we move on to running back, we kind of followed it up. Same team. Uh, You actually hit one here. Uh, Your running back pick, do you remember who it was? Miles Sanders finished just outside the top 24. So hit on that barely, but I did. (laughs) I think that is the only one that we formally hit on. So um, I won't talk about my running back, John. Uh, If anybody wants to know, they can contact John Roberts. I'm sure he'll be happy to tell you. Uh, As we move on to wide receiver, uh, here's another one. Here was interesting. Uh, I think you actually nailed this one too. Julio Jones. He finishes the wide receiver number 55. And a guy that I said to look out for crushed it. His wide receiver on the other side of the field there, uh, Calvin Ridley, had an amazing year. Finished number five overall. The interesting thing to me about it is, so certainly when you look at 55, that's a terrible finish. But the one interesting thing I'll bring up about Julio is when he played and when you knew he was available to play, he did very, very well. 
And when you knew he was unavailable to play, you know, it's not like you were starting him and he was underperforming. It was, you knew you were able to bench him. So obviously if you drafted him, you weren't happy. Um, but as I looked kind of where Allie kept him in this league, she, she, she probably isn't overly disappointed. I mean, obviously she would have much preferred to have him, but at least she knew it wasn't like he was, he was putting up horrible numbers while playing. Yeah, it's someone like Tyler Lockett, who I believe had five good games and 11 terrible games. Correct. He's a bigger bust to me than Julio Jones. I agree. So, yep, that's a good example. I had Mike Evans, obviously not a bust. Mike Evans had some huge games. He's he's somewhat similar to that Tyler Lockett elk, but still, he had some huge games down there in that great offense. So, um, Jared Cook. Uh, the way tight ends were this year, oh man, it was a total cluster, but at least Jared Cook was, while Drew Brees was playing, was one of the, one of the guys that you could at least be, feel semi-competent playing. So semi, yeah. I I thought for sure Gronk was going to be a bust. Thought for sure this was just more of a media type play for him. Um, you know, it's not like he was the Gronk of old, but I got to tell you, he was much better than the Gronk, I thought. So well done by him. Number eight overall. Yeah. So, I, hey, those those picks overall, although you, I think you hit on more than I did, so well done. But although we only hit on a few, I think overall I would call those picks pretty ugly. Yeah, I would too because we've I hit on more guys who I said I want to avoid, which is good, but didn't actually pick any of the guys who – were those surprise uh, sleeper picks, and that's what you need to hit on. Correct, correct. We did we did not do that well. No, but let's talk about this fantasy season, and let's talk about some winners here, Steve. What happened in fantasy, the fantasy league, your fantasy league this year, just another year? All right, well, much, you know, I thought we would be, you know, we got really into it. We started doing a lot of research for this podcast, and I thought, Matt, you know, there was a very good chance. I even predicted myself to be the this year's fantasy champion. But uh, you finished one slot behind me, which is what I was hoping for. <laughs> <laughs> but what what I didn't anticipate was for that to be tenth and eleventh. So that was pretty bad finish for us. Um, so. Thanks for all of you for listening, but hopefully you weren't listening to our advice this season because uh, it probably didn't work out for you. <laughs> hey, but, Steve, I won yeah. a championship in my fraternity league. You won a championship in my league. Congratulations. So while we didn't do as well in this league, we are fantasy champions. We are fantasy champions. That's true. But in this league, our fantasy champion, c- congratulations to Airbnb. Brandon, uh, the GM, uh, Brenton, I mean, Brenton, there's no way he's ever listened to this podcast. Probably doesn't even know it exists. Probably forgot he had a fantasy team until I paid him the win. <laughs> Congratulations, um, Brenton and Brandon. That's right. Yeah. Congratulations to Brandon. Uh, you know, it's really interesting, Matt. So I did a quick recap of kind of, I wanted to look at our final two teams. So the finale was... For our championship matchup, it was Brandon versus Struble. And I did a quick overview. And I got to say, I really, it's really interesting to me 
These two teams took two different approaches. Brandon was one of our top teams all season long. I think as we went through our picks all season long, you and I were constantly picking him. He had a great team. And really that started from his draft. The entire core of his team, from all of his wide receivers, all of his running backs were that he started in the championship game were all from his draft. Hopkins, second round, Diggs, sixth round, Melvin Gordon, fourth round, Dalvin Cook, first round, and Mark Andrews, fifth round, CeeDee Lamb, ninth round, all drafted. That's the entire core of his team. Now, he obviously lost Dak, who was his keeper, so he had to have a different quarterback, so that's okay. He was kind of playing the streaming game at quarterback. Well done in getting Kirk Cousins. Um, And he made a really nice roster move at the very end. Uh, had kind of saved his fab money and was able to snag Jeff Wilson, who kind of became the starter and and shining light there. Uh, so really well done in the draft. I mean, I, I I think to to be able to say you had six and nine starting from your draft is extremely well done. Um, as I look through, you know, the core of that team, but you know, as we look to his opponent, and obviously that strategy won totally different strategy. Matt, why don't you give us an insight a little bit to his opponent, Matt Struble? All right. So if we look at Struble, we see that uh, his first guy on the list, Lamar Jackson was his keeper. So solid keeper, eighth rounder. And actually that was good value this year because we know Lamar Jackson was not the top quarterback again, but having him as an eighth rounder, he had a solid season, got a lot of rushing yards. He's the first quarterback ever to rush for a thousand yards in back-to-back season. Really impressive. So he had a good overall season and did well in the playoffs late in the season, which helps Struble. If we keep going down, he drafted a cup in the fourth round and he drafted Corey Davis, who came out of nowhere to have a big year this year. Everyone had thought he was left for dead in the 15th round. So amazing value there. Then if we go for Montgomery in the, and uh, David Montgomery, he traded him week nine with Wayne, for Chris Carson, and if we look, Wayne traded David Montgomery and Brandon Ayuk for Chris Carson. So not only did uh, Shubal get David Montgomery, he also got Brandon Ayuk, who we know crushed it towards the end, especially even helped him with the Debo injury. And so two great players that he got in a trade. Next up is Mike Davis. One and, of the- and Matt, Matt, just to take a quick pause there. That trade, I think, is at the time, I mean, I think we all would have said, hey, best player in the trade, Chris Carson, well done by Wayne. But that's an example of, hey, maybe, you know, look at some trades more often, especially when you're in a time of need and at a time of depth, because it certainly helped out Struble here. Oh, yeah, definitely. That was a great trade. And we all said, hey, Chris Carson's injured, banged up, but when he plays, he's going to crush it. So that's another trade example where, we didn't think it was going to be as great as it was and ended up being tremendous values for Struble. So next up is Mike Davis. He was one of the best pickups of the year. Struble got him for $41, beat him for Christine, who we know used zero fab dollars this year. So another great pickup for Struble there. Hawkinson, he drafted in the 11th round. Good value guy, a solid year at a tight end position that was pretty putrid. And then uh, Mike uh, Gaskin, Miles Gaskin. That was another trade. He traded him with John Valentech in week nine for Tyler Boyd. So awesome trade down right there. We know uh, Miles Gaskin missed a few games late, but he had a good season overall. Played really well down there in Miami. And finally, Struble kept the defense that he drafted. 
Really impressive in the 13th round. So those pivotal week nine trades, so all uh, both those trades were week nine trades, and it really helped to turn his season around when he was struggling. Yeah, and I remember that night. He made them both in the same night. We were laughing at him because I think as soon as he made some of those trades, both guys got hit by COVID. But, you know, he, he kind of stuck with it. He practiced some patience, and it, it turned out. So it's really interesting how the two teams we had – uh, kind of Brandon being that top team all year. Struble kind of came from the bottom up um, and had a, had a real mix. And so I, I thought it was really interesting, the contrast of our two teams there. Yeah, it definitely shows that there's different avenues to a championship. You, you can either draft well, stick with your team and take it to the finish, or you can trade if you're not doing well and see what happens. And even in my league, my other league where I won the championship, I wasn't doing so well like Struble, but I stuck with the players that I had. And that's what drove me there. So there's three different avenues there to help get to your championship. And we see that Struble lost, but he had a great season. And it comes down to how your players play in one week for week 16 for a championship. And you never know how that's going to turn out. Yep, absolutely. All right. Well, we may talk a little bit more about that. I'm sure we'll have a few more off-season podcasts to kind of talk through some different strategies and, and as we begin to take a sneak peek into next year. But our first quick sneak peek into next year will be our draft pick positions. Obviously, as you know, we do not straight up picks, but you get to select your position based on these picks. So with that first pick, John Valentic, you, Matt, are next. Me, third. Wayne, fourth. Stephen, fifth. John, Robert, sixth. Allie, seventh. Jen, eighth. Christine, ninth. Matt Harding, 10th, Struble, 11th, and our champion, congratulations, Brandon, will be the last pick. So, hey, well well done. Great season to everybody. And, you know, Brandon, hey, well done. Like I said, you were, you were one of our favorite picks all season, and uh, the fact that you got it done wasn't too much of a surprise. So, well done. Great season. Yeah, definitely. Uh, Brandon crushed it in week, uh, week 16 championship week two. It wasn't even close. For his matchup with Struble there, won 179.14 to 114.19. I want to give a quick shout out to Matt Harding for getting that third place finish. He also crushed it in week 16 with 181.44 points, beating out Christine. And finally, in our fifth and sixth place matchups, we have to give a quick shout out to our boy John Roberts, who had Kamara, scored over 50 points, still find a way to get to get crushed by Steven Roby by almost 40 points. So almost, almost 60 points, by the way, <laughs> and still lost. Uh, yeah, not a good season for John. So, uh, John, you had some good players, but, uh, you know, maybe next year. Yes, sir. But overall it looks like a good fantasy draft positions for next year. Steve, you and I have two and three sounds good. Hopefully we can get us a star next year and ramp it up in our fantasy football seasons in this league. Yep. We're going to need it. All right. Next, we're going to talk Browns and Buckeyes. We'll change it up a little bit. So looking forward to this big weekend. Oh, yeah. Huge. Stay tuned. All right. Welcome back. We have a very exciting segment to talk with you guys. We have two awesome, very exciting, legendary weekend 
of games of Buckeyes and Browns coming up. We're going to call the Buckeyes this weekend because we're just going to keep rolling. Yes, we got to work Monday, but no one's going to be working Monday. We're going to be too excited. This is the most exciting weekend since Ohio State won the national championship back in 2002-2003. January 3rd and January 5th, the Browns playing their last playoff game. Buckeyes played and won in the national championship. So, Steve, let's get right into it. Let's start off talking about the game tomorrow night. Our Browns are playing the Pittsburgh Steelers, currently a six-point underdogs. We know we don't have Kevin Stefanski, our beloved coach, and we don't have uh, Joe Bitonio. I can never say his name, but we are very excited. And Steve, if I just can talk about our record for the past few years. In 2015, we were 3-13. 2016, we were 1-11. 2017, we were 0-16. 2018, 7-8. And one, we have that tie. 2019, six and ten. And this year, eleven and five. Steve, how are you feeling about our chances? We are ascending upwards. Kevin Stefanski's the man. What do you think? Yeah, I mean, first of all, I feel so good. I mean, you mentioned all those years. I watched every single game. I mean, maybe not every single minute, but pretty darn close to every single minute of every single game of all those years, including the Owen 16 years. So I am so excited. I mean, 11 and five, I couldn't be more thrilled. Baker Mayfield. I mean, Matt halfway through the season, you and I had a conversation about whether or not to keep Baker Mayfield ever since then. I mean, he has just been crisp. He's cut down on the turnovers. He's been very crisp. I am so excited. I think Baker's pumped. I think these guys are pumped. So what are my thoughts? I think it's really unfortunate that we have to deal with COVID. However, that being said, and I mentioned this a little bit earlier, Kevin Stefanski's calming nature and just his way of how he plans and how prepared he is and how overprepared he is. I feel so good about it. Like out of any team out there, you know, aside from a Bill Belichick coach team, I couldn't feel that that we could be more prepared to be in a situation like this. There was no infighting. We knew exactly what was going to happen and we fell into those roles. And and I think all week long, you know, they knew, you know, they knew they were going to have to be on zoom practice. Obviously Kevin Stefanski was involved in all of those and Hey, they, they knew they were very prepared and boy, I think a lot of these guys are kind of angered by the fact that they can't be out there practicing angered by the fact that they know Pittsburgh's practicing. And I love it. I'm going to, these guys are going to be playing with the chip on their shoulders because the, almost everyone in the world's going to view that they're doubting them. It's 11 and five team. And yet they're going to be treating them like a seven and nine playoff team. And I think it's going to put a chip on a lot of these guys' shoulders. And I'm really excited to see it tomorrow night. Definitely. I'm very excited too. And to your point about Baker Mayfield, 2019, he had 3,827 yards with 22 touchdowns and 21 interceptions. His QB rating was 78.8. This year, 3,563 yards, so a little bit less, but 26 touchdowns. So back up almost to his rookie season where he had record-breaking 27, most by a rookie up until this year. Justin Justin uh, Herbert beat him, but incredible record-breaking season. 
and he cut down his interceptions from 21 last year to only eight this year, bringing his QB rating all the way up to 95.9. So like you're saying, second half of the season has been awesome. He's had one interception since the Las Vegas game on November 1st. I was going to ask you, I'm glad you brought that up. I was going to ask when, you know, when was it? Because I feel like he has not had many interceptions. And I remember the one interception and yes, it was bad, but you know what? It was in a, it was in a Baltimore game where he was playing great and I don't necessarily blame the chance he took on the throw. So I, I tell you, I'm thrilled with the way he's played in the second half of the year. It's been amazing. And obviously he's earned himself, you know, if, if nothing else, he's earned himself that chance at that fifth year. Oh, definitely. And if he keeps playing like this, it's going to be a no brainer to sign him long-term on a big contract after, uh, when this one starts coming up. So I want to jump over though and talk about one of the guys on the Steelers, the biggest trash talker of the year, Juju Smith-Schuster. And I want to bring up a quote he said, I think they're the same Browns I, that I play every year. I think they're nameless gray faces. They have a couple good players on their team, but at the end of the day, I don't know. The Browns is the Browns. What do you think about that, Steve? Oh, I mean, obviously, as a fan, I'm very frustrated. But I think what, I, what I'm really kind of proud about is the Browns players have stayed very silent on the issue for the most part. Um, they've not responded in any sort of egregious way. I mean, they've all, you can all sense the frustration. I think you even uh, brought up earlier that, you know, Miles Garrett, kind of made was kind of coaxed i'll say coaxed into a response but but it was a great response it was it was and he said we'll have to prove it when they see them on sunday but what i'll say is overall the team has kind of been very reserved i mean nobody's responded and i think that has a lot to do with Kevin Stefanski, as we talked about, he's very calm in all situations. And I think the team is showing that. And I really do love that. However, I think it's really frustrated this team. And I think it's, it's almost like one of those situations where why say it? It's, it's kind of like we talked about the Dabo situation. Why say it? What, what, what's, what's the purpose? What do you gain from saying this Juju? But Hey, if anything, I mean, I love it. I, I think it's going to add some fire to these guys. And and especially, hey, especially some of these guys that may be stepping in and playing for the first time. I think it's going to add some fire to them. So I'm really excited about Sunday. Definitely. And to give quick uh, shout out to Brandon, he actually picked Juju also with his third round pick. And he had an incredible week 16. I know he was up and down all season. But another credit to Brandon. We're trashing Juju. We don't like him this weekend. But... I had to give that shout out because that was another person that he drafted on his team. In addition, to all the guys you named to make his draft even better this year. Oh, Juju. But we don't like him. We don't want him to do well this weekend. We hope he has another repeat of his game back in October. He was two catches for six yards versus us. So hope that happens again. We know we have a lot of guys on the COVID, but we just activated uh, Harrison Bryant. So he'll be out there. Ronnie Harrison and Malcolm, uh, Malcolm Smith. But unfortunately, uh, Kevin Johnson and uh, Ward are both still out for us. So that's going to be a tough for our secondary, Steve. Yeah, th- really disappointed on Ward. But, 
you know what? This is going to be a Chubb day. I feel it. I really do. All right, Steve. I'm excited for Chubb and Baker to do well. Do you have a prediction for us? Oh, man. This is going to be a very tough-fought game. I'm going to say... Hmm. I'm going to... Matt, I'm going to say something crazy. It's going to be 28-27 coming down to the wire. All right. Sounds good. I was thinking a little bit lower, like a 24-21 type game. A close game as well. You're, you're predicting a little more points, but I like it. Hopefully, the Browns can pick up a big W on Sunday. We can roll into our Buckeyes on Monday. So let's roll into our Buckeyes chat right now. Very excited about the Buckeyes. Uh, they had an amazing game versus Clemson a couple weeks. Uh, what was that a week and a half ago? Just as I predicted. Just as Steve predicted. Steve was very doubtful of the Buckeyes, and boy, did they prove him wrong. Justin Fields had 385 yards, got banged up, got hit pretty bad on, a, on one of the plays on the side. Looks like the rib in the, the, the hip area. Still gutted it out, 385 yards, record six touchdown passes. We had We torched the Clemson defense for 639 yards of offense, and our boy, the rising running back, Trey Sermon, grinding it out on the ground, 191 yards rushing with 30 carries and a touchdown, adding 61 yards receiving on four catches. Steve, what happened? How'd they prove you so wrong? Wow. Well, first of all, let me start with one of the very first things that I doubted was the ability for us to get an edge rush. And boy, did we. I, I can't believe it. I mean, we did we did great. The 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 line played amazing. Um, so that was the very first thing that just I, I didn't see it coming. We hadn't really shown it all year, but our boys came to play. Second thing is, you know, I thought Olave. Hey, he's just one guy. So being out for the Northwestern game to me, I felt like. He's just one guy. He's not going to make that big of a deal to, to the difference. And so what I said to you guys is a joke. I said to many of you, as I said, well, okay, Olave gets 202. I could see us winning this game. Now, he didn't quite get 200, Matt. I think he got a buck 39, but he did get the two touchdowns. And boy, I, I, I will say, he does make a huge difference to this offense. I, I was proved very wrong. He isn't just one guy. He's a guy that Justin Fields obviously feels very comfortable with. 139-2, and two, he feels very comfortable with, and I think he does open up our entire offense. And not to say that our offense runs through him. The other thing is that I didn't quite see is, and this will be really interesting to see how we play this. Trey Sermon, great, great game against Northwestern. Trey Sermon, great, great game against Clemson. Master Teague, back for Alabama. I, I, I don't want to disparage any Buckeye, Matt, but I really hope Master Teague spends some time on the bench because I really believe that Trey Sermon is going to be our answer here. He's going to have to be our answer on the ground if we're able to beat this team. And I think we can do it. The one thing I'll say, and, and the final thing I'll say about our offense is, 
you kind of look at who has the best QB. They're generally going to win the game. That's generally how football goes. We have the best quarterback. I believe in the Buckeyes after what they showed me against Clemson. I definitely agree. I hope that the Buckeyes do have the best quarterback. They have a Heisman candidate over on the other side. But when Justin Fields is playing his best football, he is better than Mac Jones. And I believe that he wasn't a Heisman candidate because of the few number of games we played this season. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to throw another stat at you, Steve. Ohio State's turnover margin ranks number three in the country. They have a per-game turnover margin of plus 1.29 is better than all but two teams. Arizona State had a two turnover margin per game, and OU actually had a 1.33, but those teams played for a combined seven games in 2020, so maybe a little skewed stats. OU is in the Ohio Bobcats? Oh, yeah, they had a great turnover margin this year. OU, oh, yeah, hey, Struble. Yeah, right? So, but Buckeyes had a great turnover margin, 18 takeaways, turned the ball over nine times on offense across seven games, losing three fumbles and tossing six interceptions. So great ball control, and that's going to be one of the keys to the games, I believe. I agree, and it's so disappointing that we're going to be out some of our key defensive linemen. Uh, Obviously, I mean, that was one of the things that just truly amazed me against Clemson is we were able to get pressure. So we'll see. But you know what? John has constantly told me, boom, boom, boom. Many, many stars, guys coming in. So we're going to have to see some guys and some unexpected names on that defensive line come through in a big, big moment. And it's just going to have to happen. Um, But I I really do. I really have much more faith. I mean, this, our, our offense truly gave me much more faith in this game. And I do think that we can, we can outdo Mac Jones and his offense. I, I, I really do believe that at this moment. Definitely. And speaking of COVID cases and playing be, players being out, I have a now deleted quote by Kristen Saban Settis, the daughter of Alabama coach Nick Saban. If you're not confident to play, then say it in all caps. I call BS on the COVID cases. They're just worried about their QB and want him to have more time to heal. If he's hurt putting your back up, you didn't see us postpone the, the rest of the season to wait for Waddle. Bye. She has now deleted her tweet and her whole Facebook account. So what do you think about that tweet, Steve? Well, I think that's pretty simple. I think, again, here's another example of a great coach in Ryan Day keeping his team very silent, but I have no doubt that that is being talked about internally. And those guys are angry. And Dabo gave us great billboard material. And hey, I'm not saying billboard material makes a team win or makes a team lose because I don't really believe that. But certainly if it doesn't give you an edge and it doesn't frustrate you more, and I I would not want to frustrate this Ohio State team anymore. I mean, they nobody believes they can win. And I kind of like that. I really do. And I think Ryan Day kind of likes that too. Oh, yeah, definitely. From Dabo calling us the number 11th ranked team, actually voting us the number 11 ranked team in the country, as you just alluded to. And I also loved that when I was seeing pictures of uh, players practicing in the practice facility coming up to the Clemson game, they showed that 29-23 game from last year. 
the loss and making players remember and feel it. So I hope we can get that kind of excitement again for this game, showing that we're currently eight-point underdogs. Once again, everyone's writing us off so that we can get that excitement and that extra edge, maybe not giving us all that excitement like you're saying, but giving us that extra edge to really make us angry and excited to go in this game, go down to Miami, and and play strong. So we're down to Miami, Steve. We're ready to go. I'm I'm super excited. Yeah, I am too. I think the way our offense lines up against their defense, I, I do feel good. I really do. I feel better than I did against Clemson, um, which, I mean, a lot of that has to do with the way we played against Clemson, but I really do feel we match up better against this team. So I'm very excited. Absolutely. I see a sports betting line here that looks like it even moved up to nine. So people are counting us out, but I like it. We'll take it. Buckeyes all day. And also, Steve, I want a prediction from you. And I'm going to preface this by saying it's going to be a lot different than our Browns game. We got an over under that's at 75 points right now. So you got guys who can throw with Mac Jones and uh, Justin Fields. You got guys who can catch. You have a Heisman winner and Devonta Smith. And hopefully that, you know, that Heisman curse continues in the national championship. Olave, you got a lot of guys on our team. Our tight ends crushed it last week. What do you got, Steve? What's your prediction? It's funny. I did not know the over-under before you just said it, but my initial thought, because I knew you were going to ask, was 42-35, so I'm sticking with it. All right, 42-35. It gets us right around that 75-77 point uh, line there. And Alabama posted 49.7 points per game to rank second in the nation, so they definitely are going to put up some points so the defense is going to have to really play strong. And the last time these play, these two teams played, Steve, do you know what the score was? Oh, I don't remember, but I remember it was amazing. The 2014-2015 Sugar Bowl was 42-35. to 35. Oh, how about that? <laughs> so I also see a Buckeyes victory. I think I think somehow it's going to end up being uh, just a smidge closer, maybe a little bit under the, uh, you know, under the under over. I'd see like a forty-two to thirty-nine game. Buckeyes winning by about a field goal. Another close game. I think both the Browns and Buckeyes are going to be nail biters for us. Going to be late nights these next two nights in order to stay up. Steve, I hope you got some sleep this weekend and you're ready to go. Stay up past your bedtime. Well, I didn't because. Thank, you know, hopefully you guys thank me, but here I am recording for you. So I didn't get sleep, but I'm ready to go. All right, Steve, let's wrap this up. We had a very good season overview. Thank you for everyone for playing this season. Thank you, Steve, for inviting me to this podcast. I had an awesome time being your co-host for just another podcast this season. Can't wait to hopefully do it next year. Steve. I'll give you the last thought. We got the Browns and Buckeyes biggest weekend, maybe of our lives, at least since the 2003, 2002, 2003 season with the Browns and Buckeyes. What are you going to say? What do you got, Steve? Oh, I'm so excited. Dog check. Oh, thank you, everyone. Go Browns. Go Buckeyes. We cannot wait. We hope to get big victories in both games. And man, what an amazing, epic, memorable weekend that'll be if we do. But let's just hope for some great football. 
That's right. Go Browns, go Bucks. Go Browns, go Bucks. Thank you, everyone, for an awesome season. around the block a couple times before I've seen everything I've seen a little more I've done everything anyone could ever do I've had my share of towns and I've had my arms too I've seen all there is to see I've been all there is to be I've lost